Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diva Talk Radio. Are you ready? Hello, divas and dudes, because I'm ready to welcome you to the Mr. Divabetic Show. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'm bringing sexy back tonight <laughs> on this special podcast because I'm kicking off my Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign to raise awareness for sexual wellness in a fun and informative manner. Joining me tonight are award-winning author Kim Law, Chef Robert Lewis, the Happy Diabetic, and Audrey McManus, the Marketing and Education Coordinator at Bayblen in Seattle. Now, if you're a little hot under collar wondering, what is Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance all about? I get letters all the time from people on our Facebook page at Divabetic and our Divabetic website, divabetic.org, asking me to go into more details about some of the subject matter we cover, not only on our Diabetes Roundtable podcast, but also in our many Divabetic Club meetings and at some of our national programs like Divabetic Make Over Your Diabetes. For the past eight years, while I've been presenting outreach, one of the topics that continually comes up is um, love and intimacy regarding diabetes. And so I thought it would be great, uh, leading into National Diabetes Awareness Month in November, if we took a lot of, little time to spotlight it. But of course, we have to do it Devo style. So we're talking to some of the greatest romance writers of all time to get their take on what a sweet romance is like including Kim Law, whose new book, Sugar Springs, is on my my favorite summer read list. And we're talking to people like Chef Robert Lewis, because let's face it, people feel so guilty about sweet indulgences that tonight I thought we had to highlight some of the foods we like, because in having a romantic dinner out or celebrating a romantic occasion, usually there's something sweet, some kind of sweet temptation on the menu. And I wanted to talk to Audrey McManus tonight from Babeland because I really wanted to answer some of the questions that concerns you most. Now, uh, did you know that millions of people with diabetes experience sexual health problems, but very few seek help? Most people feel uncomfortable and embarrassed to talk to their doctors because this subject matter is still considered taboo. Both men and women, this could be surprising, living with diabetes have multiple obstacles for achieving a satisfying sex life, including the fact that men who have diabetes are three times more likely to have erectile dysfunction as men who do not have diabetes, and as many as 35% of women with diabetes may experience decreased or absent sexual response. The good news is that people who seek out treatment and adhere to proper diabetes self-care management can still enjoy a happily ever after like the characters in your favorite romance novels, including Kim Law's character, Leanne London, from Sugar Springs. Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign wants you to know that if you're suffering from diabetes sexual health-related issues, you're not alone. We're here to help. 
So show some support for our Diva brand of diabetes outreach by donating today at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Okay, so one of the many reasons why I wanted to do this uh, podcast tonight was because I found out this alarming statistic. 35% of women with diabetes report being unable to have an orgasm during intercourse. The main reason for this is, is that high blood sugars can affect vaginal lubrication. Lubrication issues not only can impact sensation, they, could also, <clears throat> they can also make having sex very uncomfortable and painful. Here to help remedy the situation is my first guest. She's from Bayland. She works in the Marketing and Education Department in Seattle, Washington. Please welcome Audrey McManus. Hello, Audrey. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to be kicking off this series with you. You know, I was at the drugstore earlier getting ready for the show, and uh, I guess, you know, choosing a lube is a lot more difficult today than it was 30 years ago. There are a lot of great options out there now. We have an entire wall of lube in the Seattle store. Why do you think there's so many choices today versus 20 years ago? I think consumers are definitely speaking up uh, more about wanting good things in the bedroom and not as shy about demanding good products for their sexual well-being. And so manufacturers are are making more products. And so I know that, I don't know, I've been doing this since 2001, and I've seen so many great lubes come out in that time, although there was some great ones then too, but ones that are not sticky, that taste really good, that um, are going to stay slick for a long time, um, and have really good body-safe ingredients in them, those are all um, the types of lube that we try to carry here at Babeland. Well, I wanted to go through it with you because uh, there's so many different types. So I know there's water-based and silicone-based lubricants. Those seem to be some of the more popular ones. What are uh-huh. the benefits of, either, of both of those um, choices? Why would I choose a water-based lubricant? Okay, yeah, water-based are going to be most of your lubes. Silicone, um, there's less silicone lubes. Um, and the difference between them uh, is that water-based lubes are going to wash off real easy. Silicone lubes are going to last and last and last and last. So people love them and, and don't love them for the very same reason is that they stay slippery for so long. So people love them because they don't have to reapply quite as much or they don't have to use quite as much, but they might find that they're slippery still the next day. They're still gone. Um, but the water-based lubes are great because you can you know apply it and then reapply it and then wash it off pretty easily. Um, there's no taste to them. They, they're non-staining. They're not sticky. Um, so those are the difference between water-based lubes and silicone-based lubes. And what is the price point difference? Um, water-based lubes are going to cost like maybe 8 bucks for about 4 ounces, and silicone lubes are going to be more like maybe $20 for 4 ounces, but you're going to use a lot less um, than you would with a water-based lube. And it's certainly going to vary because I think we have some water-based lubes that are like $12 for about 8 ounces or something. So it does it, it does vary. I mean, okay. 20, uh, $12 about 4 ounces. So it does vary in price, but silicone is going to be more expensive. All right. Well, now the types get a little bit more interesting because there's uh, flavored lubricants out there. And I was curious because this is a diabetes-related podcast. How do they make – are these flavors with sugar or are they sugar-free? It depends on the lube that you get. The ones that we carry are um, by the brand Sliquid, uh, the flavored lubes, and then we have our Babelicious lubes. And they're sugar, they're, they're sugar-free, but they, they are flavored and they are sweet. So I would say um, 
check out it, check out the, the ingredient list and, and see how they work with you because some people can just be sensitive to, to flavorless, but they're great externally, so they're really good if you're going to be, you know, putting them on and having oral sex with them as opposed to maybe using them for penetration, although they are designed to be used for penetration, but everybody kind of reacts to them a little bit differently. But the two that, the two brands that we carry, the Babelicious, our brand, and the Sliquid flavored ones, um, they don't have sugar in them and they're not sticky, which is great. Okay, I just have to ask, what's the most popular flavor? Um, of our Babelicious, I think it's our Mojito uh, peppermint flavor. That one I think everyone loves. It's not actually like tingly minty, but it is kind of minty. And in the Sliquid brand, it would be the green apple, um, which kind of tastes like uh, Jolly Rancher. Oh, wow. All right. Okay, so then, um, all right, so we talked about water-based, silicone-based, and flavored, but then there's these things called warming and cooling lubricants. And I've seen commercials mm-hmm. for this. What do, what do they actually do, and do they work? Oh, you know, it's funny. Those commercials, people come in. They, those commercials are very effective because people come in all the time, and they're like, I want that lube where the lady's hair was blowing back or whatever. <laughs> um, and they're basically menthol, like pepperminty or cinnamon, so warming, um, and certainly using those oils um, on very sensitive areas of your body. You're going to feel them be tingly or warming for sure. Um and but so they work as far as sensations go and making things feel tingly and, and more sensation in the area. We also have some that are vasodilators that actually bring blood to the surface, and so those are a little bit more potent than just the tingly menthol or the, ting- the warming cinnamon. Um, and those ones, uh, the one that we carry right now is by Blossom Organics, so it's an organic lube, but a little bit goes a long way, and it's a, quite a different sensation than just, um, you know, a um, tingly sort of minty thing now how how many do you have a lot of customers who come in who are living with diabetes um hmm, you know i i don't take notes on <laughs> i can't say that that people usually out themselves in that way and tell us that but we have a i mean pretty much everybody who walks in the store picks up a bottle of lube to go along with their purchase like lube is everybody's favorite sex toy whether they think of it as a sex toy or not they they pick up a bottle of lube to go along with whatever it is that they're doing so I think some at some point a while ago maybe people were afraid to admit they use lube, and now everybody it seems loves using lube. Well, I wanted to ask you that because it seems to me if you were if you were caught carrying around a bottle of lube, people would have this idea that you were um, you know a little too forward or easy, you know. And I'm wondering like you know have you seen that climate change? Because the letter we got from um, one of our listeners was asking about lube and really talked that she was almost too embarrassed to get it. So I was just curious, like how you know how do you, how are what are some ways you suggest for people who might be embarrassed about this whole concept of getting lubes, you know, and and moving forward on that level? Yeah, well, I think there's that idea, right? That's a, kind of an older idea, but certainly I do still hear it, you know, that if I need lube, something's wrong, right? And that is certainly not the case because people are using lube at all ages. Very very young people are using lube. I mean, you if you're using condoms, you're going to definitely want to use lube. One of the main reasons why condoms break is due to too much friction, and so lubrication is going to reduce friction. Sex is going to feel better with, you know, moisture magnifies sensation, so it's going to feel better with lubrication for sure. If you're having sex for more than five minutes, you're probably going to want to use lubrication. Um, one thing I've heard from guys uh if they're getting a hand job from women, they, they usually say, women don't use lube when they do it. Women don't know to do that. So you're, if you're going to be using your hands, you're going to want to add lube to it. So lube is everybody's best friend in the bedroom. I love the, the we're giving that on the radio tonight. I hope people are writing that one down. Wow, okay. <laughs> one and thing then, I will say, though, specifically for people with diabetes is um, – 
pay attention to the ingredients and don't get a lube with glycerin in it. The lube and I, that I, I would really recommend. Why is that important? Why should they not? Why should they avoid glycerin? Well, glycerin is basically a sugar. Um, it's a sugar derivative. So you don't want to be introducing that internally into your mucous membranes, especially if you're concerned about sugar anyways. Um, and a lot of people um, can be irritated by the glycerin. Now, it's not to say everybody is, but some women are very sensitive to the glycerin and that if someone is prone to getting yeast infections, if you use a loop with glycerin, you're kind of just introducing the sugar right where you don't want it. So I would definitely look for a glycerin-free lube. And Bayblend, we have a couple different lubes ourselves. Um, we have our Babe Lube, our classic Babe Lube, which is a really great thick gel, um, and it's glycerin-free, paraben-free, uh, water-based, um, odorless, tasteless. So it's a great all-around. You can use it for any sex act lube. Um, and then we have our Babe Lube Natural, which is actually really long-lasting. Um, not quite as thick as our original Babe Lube, but also glycerin-free, paraben-free. Um, and then we have our Babe Lube Silk, which has a little bit of a taste, so I wouldn't use it for any oral play, but is really creamy and is kind of a hybrid with um, a silicone lube. So it's got some of the ingredients from silicone lube in it, which makes it last a really long time. Great. All right. Well, I have two more questions for you before we finish this. Uh, one is, what about products like baby oil, petroleum jelly, Vaseline, and massage oils? How how are they as lubricants? They're terrible. <laughs> at least uh, at least internally. You do not want to use those things vaginally because they linger. They, your body doesn't break it down real well. Um and you can get a bacterial infection because your the vagina is not going to clean those things out as well. So you don't want to use it. I mean, certainly for masturbation for men, you can use oils externally. Um, you don't want to use anything oil-based when you're using latex condoms because the oil can break down latex. So that's to, that's something to be aware of. But I would not use those things vaginally. All right. Now, final question. Uh, Kim, Law just, Kim Law just wrote a book, Sugar Springs, which I loved. And the lead character, Leanne London, who I'm going to be talking to Kim in a minute about this, but this woman hasn't had sex for like 13 years <laughs> or longer based on this book, the character. So women who haven't had regular intercourse in a while, are they more apt to need lubricants? Or I'm just curious like what your take on that is because so many women do have a little bit of a dry spell, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, certainly if someone – it is kind of a use it or lose it situation. So you don't want to not pay any attention to your vagina, you know, if you're not having sex with a partner. That doesn't mean you even have to masturbate necessarily, but it's good to do Kegel exercises um, for sure just to keep the muscles uh, tone and so that you don't experience atrophy. So definitely, you know, you can be doing Kegel exercises or, you know, self-pleasure for sure, whether it's with a toy or just with fingers or something is important. But lube... Um, in all those instances, and certainly if you haven't had sex for a while, you know, take it slow. If you give yourself lots of time to get warmed up before you go for the main act because, you know, that, then that's when you would experience some pain and not pleasure. So definitely you can add lube in that instance there to kind of help ease things along. Well, thank you so much, Audrey, for being a part of the show tonight. Audrey McManus from Babeland in Seattle. Yeah, and you can get all those lubes I talked about on Babeland.com. Great. Thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. Coming up, it's time to meet my favorite summer read, the author of this book. It's called Sugar Springs. 
My next guest is a, is a Romance Writer of America's 2013 Rita finalist, a past winner of the Romance Writers of America's Golden Heart Award, and currently she serves as president of her local Romance Writers of America chapter. She writes lighthearted books that take her readers on a sexy, fun, and emotional ride, including me. So please welcome author Kim Law. Hi, Kim. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Got a little hot under collar, kind of like Leanne London from that last interview. Yeah, I was. Um, it was an interesting interview. I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I think this book, Sugar Springs, it's available on Amazon.com, has so many plot twists and turns. It's just so creative. How did you come up with something so... The plot is just, I just think the characters and the plot are just so interesting. Tell our readers a little bit about it, and then tell me what inspires you to come up with it. Okay, well, it is, um, it's it's a love story. It's of two high school best friends that were that were going into sweethearts. They they had started dating, but they hadn't, they were waiting for prom night, right, to, to seal the deal. And, um, as teenagers are apt to do, he um, Cody is the, is the hero. He got he got a little stupid. He went a little. He got some bad news. He he fell into some self pity and he let himself be seduced seduced by Leanne's evil stepsister. Oh, um, Stephanie. <laughs> so yeah, so this is so the book takes place 14 years later. Cody comes back to town. He does not realize that he has twins. And Leanne happens to be raising them because um, her sister died. So that's it. <laughs> that's, that's that's the quick summary of it. It is a quick summary. I mean, I, I I was just like, I don't know if I could do it, Leanne. You know, we don't want to give it away. But, you know, there's a huge message of forgiveness in this book, which we'll be talking a little bit later on in the show um, with Chef Robert and one of my other guests about forgiveness and resentment and how it relates to diabetes. But... This, I mean, she really is forgiving, which I think when you think of the circumstance of finding your boyfriend, who at the time she loved Cody with all her heart, heart. You said it was like right at the um, before prom night, and then she finds her sister, who's been evil to her her whole life, has just slept with him, and then the sister dies, and she has to raise the children. I mean, it's like I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> you must be very forgiving, is all I could say when I was reading the book. <laughs> I know, and you know, I think I think forgiveness is a thing that you'll find in quite a few of my books. I'm not sure why. Um, I just I get really frustrated when I watch people hang on to this anger for years and years and years because it doesn't really help anything. You know, raises your blood pressure doesn't doesn't really help anything the majority of the time. And so I just I, I think I find that interesting, and I like to play around with that and see just how bad I can make a person, and then make sure they can get them to be forgiven. Well, I think Mark Cavanaugh from um, X on the Beach is pretty bad because the other char lead character from your other novel, X on the <laughs> Beach, Andy Shane, Andy Shane, she's left at the altar by this man. He's not bad. He's a good guy. <laughs> I don't oh my know, God. This is my I, if I thought that Leanne London had it bad, then I start reading X on the Beach. I'm like, wow. I mean, it, I I just love that you kind of create these things, and I I do feel like there's more 
to the story, then you know you got to have some forgive and forget involved in everything, obviously. But it is it is interesting, and it's interesting to read it, listeners, to read about these characters and see the emotional development they go through. But explain a little bit about X on the Beach for a minute, because this started out, if I'm reading it correctly on Goodreads, you started this out as an episode kind of um, series that you could get it, you could buy like a chapter a month, and then people were able to are now able to get the book in its entirety. Um, yeah, that's similar. It's something new that Amazon started doing last year, and I'm published with um, Amazon, a, a part of Amazon Publishing, and so they have Kindle serials. And what it is is I write an episode at a time, and they come out. Well, they started coming out every two weeks, but that was really frustrating the readers, so they pushed it up, and they were releasing an episode once a week. And as X on the Beach was coming out, I actually had not finished writing the book yet. I was still writing as it was being released, which was kind of crazy and insane. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it was it was almost it was like this adrenaline rush I had going on for for a few months as I was trying to as I was keeping my fingers crossed, hoping I could pull this book off and not have to go back and change anything because there was not going to be any going back and changing anything. Now, were, okay. did, did you read any of the readers' comments as you were writing it? Like, did they affect it at all, the ones who were following it on a weekly basis? I read all the comments, and um, a couple of them affected it, but I was usually about three episodes beyond what they were reading. But um, I can't remember what the comment was, but there was some comment about, um, oh, I think Hope and one of the characters basically gets told off later. And I'm like, you know, I hadn't thought about that. He does need to be told off later. <laughs> so, you know, it was just a small thing. But, but yes, and I was watching because like, I was hoping to find more comments. I was hoping somebody would just say something that really sparked my interest and I, w- I could work it in. Because as a, as a reader, I think that would be really fun to see what I said suddenly show up later. And so I was hoping to do that. I didn't really, I didn't, other than that one small thing, I didn't really get to do that, though. Oh, my gosh, I would love to knock on the door while Stephanie was still alive in Sugar Springs and just give her a piece of my mind via you. <laughs> I know it. Now, I don't know. I, don't, I think I wanted an evil stepsister kind of thing going, so that's that's where that came from, but I'm not sure why I wanted it. I know. Like, what inspired you? Because that character is just pure evil. I mean, she never gets along with Leanne. She's had it out for this child since birth, and, you know, from all accounts, Leanne is just like a very lovely woman. I mean, she raises her her nieces as if they're, they're her own children. Uh, she actually moves in with her mother, but then her mother and Leanne kind of come up with an agreement where Leanne takes over the big house as the girls grow older, and then the mother moves next door. And um, but I mean, the character is just she. I, it's just so hard to believe that someone would actually do what Stephanie did. And did you were you seeing anything in the news or anything on TV that kind of sparked you to create that character? No, I think I was having a conversation with a woman I used to work with, and we were just trying to figure out um, how to. Okay, it's called Secret Baby, right? And when the guy has kids out, has a kid out there, and he doesn't know about. That's your oh. trope in, in romance. It's a secret baby. So I was trying to come up with a twist on the secret baby trope. And I just like, okay, well, she needs to be raising her sister's babies instead of her babies. And it just escalated from there. I don't know. I I have a bad habit of trying to do really horrible things to my characters in their, in their backstory. And so I did a good job of this one, I think, with her yes, evil stepsister did. and making her raise those kids. And I don't know. Well, the I'm other not, problem... I'm not really... 
No, the other thing that's working against Leanne is all the gossip in the town. Like, this town, right. has, everyone has an ear to the wall, including her mother. is like watching her and sharing the news with everyone as it unfolds. So, like, every emotional twist and turn that Leanne's dealing with, whether it's raising her children or seeing Cody for the first time in 13 years, it's all being broadcast all around the town. Are you from a small town? I am from a small town. Not as small as Sugar Springs, but I am from a small town. But one of the things that I... I pulled from, I mean, in the town I'm from, yes, you pretty much, there was somebody that knew what was going on with somebody else all the time. But my mother also worked at a factory, which was like a small town all on its own. And, I mean, if you did something stupid, everybody at that factory, if if you had a family member that worked at that factory or a friend or anybody, you were all over the factory. And I was the topic of conversation for a while there, so I knew what it felt like to have everything that you've, every stupid mistake you've done and everything you're thinking be be spread all over. No, it cer- certainly is. Cody and Leanne, like, turn around, and by the next morning, everyone already knows the whole story, and they're giving it back to them blow by blow, so to speak. Um, yeah. I, this book is. This book was actually nominated for. Uh, you won for a golden. You won a Golden Heart Award. What is that award? In the romance community, the Golden Heart Award is the there's um, Romance Writers of America that has about ten thousand people, and it is the highest unpublished award that you can win. There are there are different chapters across the country. Like I'm I'm the president of the Nashville chapter, okay. and so different chapters might have small contests, and, and but the national level has this large contest every year, Golden Heart, and so that's why it's it's kind of like you know the Oscars for unpublished and or and then the readers are your published awards. And you won it's that. It's a pretty big deal. I won it. I won it for my category. Thank you. There's there's several categories, um, but for my category, I yes, I won it that year. It's pretty awesome. And now this book, Sugar Springs, is going to have it's going to be a series, correct? It is. The second book is coming out later this year called Sweet Nothings. And what who what does Sweet Nothings focus on? Sweet Nothings is. Um, do you remember Joni from Sugar Springs? Leanne's best friend. The one who owns the hairdresser. The the hairdresser, the beauty right. shop. Right. She owns a beauty shop, except when Sweet Nothing starts, she sold the beauty shop, and she now owns a cupcake, cupcake store, and she drives around in a converted Volkswagen um, van selling cupcakes out of the van. So that's her Oh, my gosh. Van. I think Mr. Divabetic needs to get on that van with you and do some outreach where they're selling those cupcakes. Although, people, <laughs> cupcakes are great for portion control, Kim. Thank you for that. You know, can't eat the whole... <laughs> A cupcake is better than a huge piece of pie. That's, That's true. Though, That's because true. I, I, was, I wanted to know this because I thought you were going to follow the waitress. Her name the is The waitress, um, Holly. Yes. Is that who you're talking about? The one who um, wears the, no, I love I, this character. She wears shoes that don't match the rest of her outfit, and then she judges people by how they react to her shoes, which is a total divabetic moment, by the way. Isn't that fabulous? Holly is book three, and that's called Sprinkles on Topic. It, it'll come out next summer. And, yeah, I haven't started writing that yet. I'll start that next month. But, yeah, she totally, I will have her shoes in, in that book quite a bit. 
And so where, where does the whole food analogy come in play from? Where, how did you get inspired to just kind of go off on all the sweet? It's like book, it's book lovers who have sweet teeth, uh, tooths is what this is all about. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. We, I came up with the name of the town, Sugar Springs, just because my husband and I, we were tossing around names that would sound like a little small town in Tennessee, and that one just seemed to fit perfect. So my editor wanted to name the, actually name the book, just name it Sugar Springs, and so we've just kind of played off of that title a little bit and, and brought in you know, sweet and sprinkles and, I don't know, just something fun to do. I love it. Well, you know, Kim, it's all about games at Divabetic. I'm known as the Bob Barker of Outreach, so I have a few games coming up for you. Are you ready? Sure. I had to change costumes. Okay, so our first game is called Sugar Sugar. I'm going to read aloud some questions referencing sugar and test your sugar IQ since you are the author who loves sweet. You've got Sweet Nothings coming up in the fall. You've got Sugar Springs out now. And we still have to hear about hot buttered yum. Your first question, true or false, Kim Law. A spoonful of sugar added to a vase will prolong the life of freshly cut flowers. Um, truth? I don't know. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Most is that what's flowers in the, benefit from adding sugar to the, water. Sugar okay. is usually not recommended for daffodils, daisies, and tulips, though, just to keep that in mind. These questions make it a little harder, darling. Here we go. True or false? Lemons contain more sugar than strawberries. True. Oh. I gave it away, didn't I? What, what made you say that? No, you didn't. What made me say that? Because when I was on Weight Watchers, no, not Weight Watchers, when I was doing Adkins and doing low sugar, berries were the first thing that we could add in for fruit. Yes, and lemons have 70%, lemons are 70% sugar and 30% citric acid, while strawberries have 40% sugar and the rest is a starch. The acid with the lemon masks the sweetness of the sugar. Interesting, right? That is interesting. Your final question, true or false? India produces more sugarcane than Brazil. Oh, let's go false. <laughs> Did I miss it? It is false. India produces 28 million <laughs> sugar uh, mil- million metric tons of sugar and Brazil produces 37 million. You're a winner on our sugar sugar game. Fantastic. Which leads us to one of my favorite characters in Sugar Springs. You don't. This character doesn't have a name, but it's it is a dog living with diabetes. Tell us a little bit about this character in the book and how what inspired you to create it. This character. Oh, see, my dog. I just call him Diabetes Dog. I really should give him a name. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm like, I doesn't even have a name. I know. I'll, I'll maybe I'll bring him into the the third book and give him a name. But he is a dog of that, an elderly gentleman, grumpy old man. That's in, oh, yeah, in, that's in the book. Yeah, and what inspired him? Um, I like to, I like to put just little tidbits of of information in books that people may not know. I mean, I'm not looking to to teach you anything fabulous. Just some little tidbit of knowledge that somebody will go, oh, I didn't know that. Well, I had never, it had never occurred to me that animals get diabetes. And I have a friend whose cat. 
developed diabetes, and she was having to give her shots twice a day. And then my parents' dog developed diabetes. He eventually went blind because of it. And it just was one of those, I just never knew that. So I'm like, okay, I'm putting an animal in here that has diabetes just to make people stop and think, oh, I didn't realize that could happen. No, it's true. I did some research. Uh, pets and dogs can develop diabetes. In fact, diabetes strikes one in 40, 400 dogs and a similar number for cats, and they can develop both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Just like humans, pets with diabetes may not be able to produce enough insulin or possibly their bodies don't allow them to use insulin properly, which is why they have to be given um, an injection. Diabetes symptoms and the complications of the disease are similar between pets and humans. So if you're, do- if you're thinking that your cat or dog may have diabetes, here are some of the symptoms you might be looking for. Weight loss, often, uh, often with an increased appetite, excessive thirst and urination, breakdown of body fat, and um, lower, or they could have a lower ap- appetite. They could have a, a chemical smell on their breath eat too. So those are things you want to have. If your dog is uh, suffering from that, and it could even go more severe, if your dog experiences a seizure, wobbliness, weakness, dullness, sleepiness, or restlessness, that might be a reason to go have your dog checked out to see if he has diabetes. So I thought it was great that you included a character like that in your book. Yeah, I I do need to bring that dog back in, the third one, though, I think. Well, the crunchy old man, I don't know what you're going to do with him. Maybe Reba, the know. mother. I know the mother needs to get a little something going on, too, to give her to stop her <laughs> too much gossip. You think you think she needs to hook up with, it was Sam Jenkins, was his name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, she's so sweet. It might be a kind of like nice uh, sweet and sour combination. Uh, I will give that some thought. That possibly is a very good idea. All right. Well, do you like, obviously, you must love to cook. Do you love to cook? I love to eat. You love I do to like to cook. I do oh. like to cook, but I'm not, like, really great at it. But I like to, yeah. Well, guess what? Straight ahead, it's time to play our second game, Serve, Taste, or Trash, with the author of Sugar Springs, Kim Law. But first, we're going to meet tonight's special guest. It's Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic. Hello, hey, Max, Chef Robert. Hey, Max, Good. how are Welcome. you? Welcome back. Thank you. Hello, Kim. Hi. Chef Robert, you were just at the State Fair. How how was that for you? The mother of all State Fairs, the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> it was just amazing. And I was actually there helping the University of Iowa uh, do a diabetic study, and I did a couple cooking demonstrations there, so it was really, really great. And um, at the same time, we're also filming a reality-based uh, kind of a TV show called American Food Quest. And um, what's that interesting about? People, interesting people, places, and food is what we're after. And so, how does the how does the reality show how does that work? Well, we go on location looking for people doing interesting and unique things with food. You know, unlike a diners and driving and dives type of show, we're really going to farms and we're going to factories and we're going to places where people live and learning about the food they're making and working on and learning about the interesting things they're doing. And it's kind of fun. Uh, we've got an award-winning filmmaker, my partner Paul Kakert, with me, 
and the whole crew, Jennifer and the gang, and uh, it's kind of on the street interviewing and tasting and eating along with some cooking. Uh, do you think you'd ever go to Kentucky? Sure, absolutely. We'll go anywhere. Because Kim, Kim Law, you're from Kentucky, are you not? Yeah, I, I live in Tennessee, but I'm from Kentucky. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, so we have to go to, oh, we could go to Smoky Blue Mountains, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to live in Tennessee, Kim. It's a great place. It is great. Love. All right, well, Kim, guess what? It's time to play Serve, Taste, or Trash. Here's how it works. I'm going to re- I'm gonna read a list of three vegetables, and you have to tell me which one you would serve to me, which one you would taste for yourself, and which one you would like to trash. Your three choices tonight are sweet corn. Your next choice is avocado. And the final choice tonight in Serve, Taste, or Trash is zucchini. Kim, which one of these would you choose to serve to me? I will serve you avocados. How do you like to serve avocados? Uh, well, tonight I'm actually making an avocado salsa to go on top of my chicken. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it, too, and I do love avocados. Which one of these three are you going to taste? So you're left with sweet corn or zucchini? I will taste the zucchini. Which means you're going to trash the sweet corn? Yes, I'm going to trash the sweet corn. Wow. Are you not a corn lover? I despise corn. You despise, you despise corn? corn. <laughs> I despise it. The taste is just I the taste is awful to me. Have wow. you ever heard Sorry. that before, Chef Robert? Um No. I've heard a lot of things in my life, but never that. Kim, let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever grilled it on like a barbecue charcoal grill? Yes. I still didn't it's like it. Really all <laughs> caramely and Crusty and. Hmm. I mean, I may have not have done a good job of it, but I didn't. I still didn't like it. Okay. I tell you what, you come to Tennessee and grill me some, and I will try it. I'm in. All right. Okay. Well, before he does that, what we're going to do in honor of Sugar Springs, I thought we would set Chef Robert Lewis uh, loose in our Diva Better Kitchen tonight and hear if he could swin- sway your opinion with three recipes. Now, okay. uh, because of your book, In the Spirit, we asked Chef Robert to come up with three recipes for veggie lovers who have a sweet tooth. So let's tell Kim, Chef Robert, what the three recipes are for our mystery ingredients, which, again, are avocado, sweet corn, and zucchini. Okay. Well, for the avocado, I've made a chocolate avocado mousse. I made a flourless chocolate zucchini cake and a sweet corn creme brulee. Describe the creme brulee first, since we already know she doesn't like corn, and then we'll see what she thinks about the avocado and zucchini. Okay, I I hope you're sitting down, because you might get weak in the knees, but here we go. (laughs) Um, Sweet corn, heavy cream, whole milk, some egg yolks, vanilla extract, and of course, some granulated sugar and some coarse sugar on top. So really what we're making is kind of a very sweet corn custard, which is really what creme brulee is. And we're going to, you know, bake it in the oven in a hot water bath. And then we're going to put on some coarse sugar and then glaze it with a torch and make it all crispy and crunchy and glazy caramely on top. So your traditional normal creme brulee but with 
a hint of sweet corn. How do you think, Kim? Do you like that one? <laughs> no. Oh, no. It would still taste like corn to me. All right. Let's tell her about the flowers, chocolate, zucchini cake. The rest cake. of it sounds great, though. Okay. Well, thanks. Okay. Let's try the flowers, chocolate, zucchini cake of love. So, very simple. Um, egg whites, shredded zucchini, um, Ghirardelli bittersweet chocolate chopped, um, some unsweetened Hershey cocoa powder, chopped walnuts, Splenda, some fat-free sour cream, couple eggs, some vanilla extract, and we're going to put it in a springform pan with some butter-flavored cooking spray to make sure it doesn't stick. And so really what you've got is this really nice, dense, chocolatey, flourless cake. I would totally go for that. Yeah, it's like amazing. Amazing. Sounds it. Sounds now, this good. third recipe, I was scratching my head at because I do love avocados. So this is your chocolate avocado mousse? Yeah. Uh, Max and Kim, if you blink, you're going to miss it because there's really only three ingredients. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, four if you count the avocados. So we've got some four really nice ripe avocados. We've got some agave nectar, some unsweetened cocoa powder like Ghirardelli, and some vanilla extract. And so we're just going to remove the avocados cut them up in pieces, put them all in a standard kind of a food processor, and blend everything so it's light and smooth and kind of frothy and whippy. Then we're going to chill it, and you can add a little Greek yogurt on top or some fresh whipped cream. Oh, I need to try that. You know what? It's pretty amazing and really creamy and that chocolatey. Of course, you know how good avocados are for you. And sure. Yeah, it's just, it'll, it'll it's amazing. All right, well, I now, Kim. I can imagine chocolate. What? No, no, go on. I was going to say, it's hard to imagine chocolate with avocados, but but it sounds fabulous. Yeah, and, and you know, again, that avocado is super healthy. you got the agave nectar in there, you know, cocoa powder. It's it's just an amazing flavor. And when people try this, they, like, go, avocados, really? Okay, when you, when you come and make me corn, I would like some of that, too. <laughs> Kim, listen, oh, she's whatever the you whole want, menu, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Sugar Springs is going to have some vegetables served in it tonight. Now, yeah. Kim, uh, we've got our food IQ challenge for you. We want you to trash the recipe that you think has the most carbohydrates out of the three recipes that Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic, just shared with us. You always talk about sugar, but tonight, for a lot of people living with diabetes, and we'll be talking to Neva White in a little while, uh, it's about counting carbohydrates. So which one of these three recipes do you think contains the most carbohydrates? Hey, now, Max, before Kim answers, I think we ought to throw a little something special out there, because if she gets it right, I think she should get a prize, don't you? All right, Chef Rob, what would you like to give her? I would love to give her a set of my two best-selling cookbooks. Oh, fabulous. And and the one cookbook is titled Corn a Thousand Ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kim, what do you what do you think uh which one do you think has the most carbohydrates? Do you think it's the flourless flourless chocolate cake with zucchini? I don't know if I got that right. The avocado chocolate mousse or the sweet corn creme brulee? I'm going to have to say that creme brulee. Chef Robert, what do you want to say? I want to say, Kim, you are a winner. Yay. 
And I'm just curious, Kim, why did you pick the creme brulee? Um, because of, of the corn and the sugar that you added. Yeah. Do, do you know which one would have the least amount of carbs? I know corn has a lot, but I don't know. I, I'm not. I have no idea. The flourless zucchini cake. Well, that oh. one had because it had a it had a sugar it had a fat free uh, sour cream in it. Correct. Correct. And there's no flour in it. You know. Um, right. Well, flour's right. not really the carbs, but yeah. Yeah, so anyways, the flourless cars, forget what I just said, the flourless chocolate zucchini cake is the lowest, but Kim, you're a winner anyways. Congratulations. Now, Chef Robert, I want to ask you, because Kim mentioned being on, uh, having been on Weight Watchers, you're, you, you use several sugar-free or alternatives to sugar in your recipes. One recipe had agave, which I'm not sure what that is, and then another recipe um, had Linda, are those Correct. like your favorite thing? Why do you choose to use those? And are, are those the best for people who like to cook and are watching their waistline well, you know too? Max, Max, that's a great question. It's really a personal thing. I use the agave in the chocolate mousse because agave looks like honey and it's liquidy. So that's just going to add some liquid body to that mousse that I'm making as I whip everything up. Um, what I like about Splenda is when you bake with Splenda, it it's the equivalent to sugar by the way you measure it. So example would be if a recipe calls for a tablespoon of sugar, it's a tablespoon of Splenda. So it makes it very easy to add to recipes like that. Um, I also like Stevia, which is an all-natural product. But listen, everything in moderation is probably the best way to think about it. Some people don't like the taste of Splenda, well then use Stevia. If you don't like the Stevia, you could use like a liquidy agave nectar. Now, if you were going to make some hot buttered rum, would you use agave or Splenda? I would use agave because that would just blend really great with the rum. Or you can make a hot buttered rum without anything but rum. Or you could write about a hot buttered yum. Kim Law, what is this new book you're writing about right now? I've been watching your posts on Facebook. This new book, it's my second in my series, um, my Turtle Island series that will follow X on the Beach. And it's a Christmas book, and what it is, I have no one that has done anything horrible that they have to be forgiven for, all right? But they, they're they having a Mr. Yummy Santa contest on the island. And um, Ronnie, Ronnie from X on the Beach, she is the master of ceremonies, and she's just going to have a little fun with one of the contestants until... She figures out he's like the worst person she needs, but she's falling in love for him with him. So, hey, Mr. Yummy hey. Santa. We're going to be watching. So the Yummy Santa Claus is going to not be so great after all. Initially. Well, no, he's good. He's good. Oh, yeah. He just has. He just has. I, I can't tell. I don't want to tell the secrets, but he just has things about him that force her to deal with things she's avoiding. Oh, interesting. And now, when does that book come out? It will come out as a cereal, just like X on the Beach, and it starts in October. And then Sweet Nothings, when are you releasing that book on Amazon? Sweet Nothings will come out December 1st. How do you do – so what is your schedule as a as a novelist? Are you writing like two to three books a year? I am trying to write four books a year. Um, three three is, is more doable for me, but I'm trying really hard to do four books a year just because I like to have – things out there at least every three months it's 
doesn't always work that way, but that's that's what I'm trying to get to right there. And so how is your day, and I know we're going to ask Chef Robert Lewis the same question because he's coming out with a new cookbook. So do you is your, is your day pretty much mapped out where you're in the same routine all the time to stay with such a um, busy schedule like that? It needs to be. I, I fail at that a lot, and I end up burning a lot of hours in the middle of the night to catch up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can I can do that. I can manage that as, if I can stick to a a schedule. But it's it's with writing a lot of time. A lot of time, a lot of times you get emails from your editors and other things you have to look at and edits from an old a different book. So it throws me off schedule sometimes. But and Chef Robert, you're coming out with a cookbook soon, correct? Uh, that's correct. Matter of fact, it's about to go to the printer any moment. And what was that process like uh, for you? Because you do have two other cookbooks we should tell everyone at thehappydiabetic.com, your website. Correct. Um, yeah, so this was a really exciting project because it was a family event. So my, my youngest daughter did all of the typeset and editing on this project. Uh, my oldest daughter did all the food photography with me. And my son actually designed the front and back cover. And so it was just a really great family event. Um, and we're going to bring it to the next TCOYD conference in Worcester in September to kind of give it a little bit of unveiling. And I'll be there, too. So guess what? Both Kim Law and Chef Robert Lewis, the Happy Diabetic, we have one more game. Are you ready? Ready. Sure. a fool when it comes to diabetes knowledge <laughs> and we want to thank Luther Vandross for um, providing that intro for our newest game it's called the Diabetes Timeline Challenge here's how it works everybody I'm going to read out three events in history and you guys have to tell me which one you thought came first and you could decide this as a group between yourselves Kim Law and Chef Robert Lewis are now on the same team it's exciting over here at uh, Mr. Diabetic Show the first event is the premiere episode of The Golden Girls. The next event is Donna Summer releasing Love to Love You Baby, which sparked the birth of disco. And the third event, that you have to tell me which one came first, is the first blood glucose monitor is released for home use. Which one do you think came first? Wow. <laughs> That's just a I mean, tough one. Initially, I'm thinking, Kim, maybe it was Donna Summer. That had to That's be around, my initial impression. That's my I mean, initial thought. That had to be around 78, 79, yeah. my thinking. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about the blood glucose monitor. No, I have no idea. For home use. And what about the Golden Girls, people? Well, I who think that came Girls? a little later, didn't it? I can't remember when I watched that. I know I watch it on reruns now, but I don't remember when I. You when know, I but, all right. So put, try to put them in order. So you think the 
the one that came first, in your opinion, both of you, you think is Donna Summer? I don't know. I, I, don't so. know. I, I might think <laughs> Blood Glucose, Donna Summer, Golden Girls. What do you think, Kim? I could go with that, too. I really have no idea about the Blood Glucose. I would say either either before Donna or or in the middle. Okay, well, I have to tell you both. <laughs> hold on, hold on. What I meant to say was, <laughs> was Golden Girls, Donna Summer, Blood Glucose. Oh, really? Okay. In 1985, the Golden Girls debuted on national TV. Okay. In 1981, the first blood glucose monitor for home use was made available for sale, and Donna Summer became an overnight sensation with the release of Love to Love You Baby in 1975. 75? Really? Mm-hmm. She was like the first song in disco. But wow. you know what? The whole point of the game is to show people that some of the technology available today that we all take for granted hasn't even been around that long. In fact, right. if you watch Steel Magnolias starring Julia Roberts as a woman living with type 1 diabetes and Sally Fields mm-hmm. as her mother, you'll see in the scene where she's in the beauty shop that when she has a low blood sugar, there's no meter around to check her blood glucose. So that's how, how recent a home monitor is. And when you think about it, Chef Robert, you're living with type 2 diabetes. You take that meter for granted every day, right? Oh, no doubt about it. And Kim Law, when, you're, uh, when your character ha- was treating his dog with his diabetes, he has to check his dog just like everyone else has to check their blood sugars on a daily basis to make sure that he's keeping his dog he- happy and healthy. And that's only been mm. since, the, since the early 80s. With that in mind, Chef Robert and I will be uh, taking control of your diabetes. Well, I'll be playing more games and giving away prizes. And, Chef Robert, I'm sure you're going to be doing a fabulous cooking demonstration. Are you not? I will. I'm doing two. I'm going to do the keynote and then another cooking demonstration at 2 o'clock. And what's on the menu over there? Uh, I think I'm going to do a Mediterranean chicken of love for my demo. Uh, So it will be really great. All right, and I want to remind everyone that right now in August, it's Diabetes Numerology Game 31 Days. All during the month, we're releasing a new game each day that you can see on the Divabetic blog, and you can get the answers to our our questions with Diabetes Numerology each and every day from past podcasts like this one. Remember, check out all our videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel and join our Facebook community today. I want to thank both my guests. All three of them, actually. We had Audrey McManus at the top of the show from Babeland. That was a little hot and bothered, wasn't it, everybody? Did you like it that? It really was. We had award-winning author Kim Law, whose book, Sugar Springs, is on my reading summer reading list. I enjoyed that book so much, Kim. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. And Chef Robert Lewis, it's always a thrill to have you. The Happy Diabetic, happydiabetic.com. Thank you for providing those wonderful recipes, which we'll make available on the Divabetic blog. And you're also going to talk about grilling corn on your website, correct? Exactly right. And don't forget to Facebook me at American Food Quest. All right. Well, I want to say, once again, I want to tell everyone, Remember, every diva and dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Thank you for listening.